Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, The Batman Years. My name is Sonia Rappaport. And my name is Willie Simpson. And this is soon to be the X-Men 97 Years. It's coming up. The date was announced for March 20th. We're getting hyped. We're packing in two episodes a week of Batman the Animated Series so that we can finish it out. We're so close to the end of the bat. It's insane how the timing has worked out. Get right on track with X-Men 97. Uh, We normally release episodes on Monday mornings, but since X-Men 97 is going to be released on Wednesdays, we're going to adjust the timing. We'll make it Thursday morning or Wednesday night, something. We'll see what we can do. Yeah. We're insanely hyped about this. We got to get to <laughs> these two episodes of Batman the Animated Series. We also got to talk about the Deadpool trailer because right. we didn't talk about it last week. And of course, the X Men 97 trailer was released, and there's a lot to examine. I'd say a, a trailer probably in total viewed more than 10 million times on the internet, which uh-huh. is pretty huge for anything. So, and, uh, I mean, it, I mean, what's insane is the Deadpool Wolverine trailer has 365 million views, which set a record for the most viewed trailer of all time. Well, it's because it aired during the Super Bowl, which right. had like a record. A global audience. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the, the thing is, well, the full trailer didn't really air in the Super Bowl. They showed like a teaser of the trailer because it's too violent and there's cursing and stuff. So you had to go online to watch it. Oh, so those numbers are only from YouTube? I don't know. Like, that's a good question. Oh, I thought it encompassed the Super Bowl viewership. I think it encompasses a whole... A lot of things. Okay. So the point is, like, the hype levels are off the chain for all things X-Men right now. Like, what, what an insane week it's been. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, there's so much to talk about with it. We're going to break down the trailer. We're going to talk about Deadpool. Um, and then we are going to uh, talk more. We're going to talk about two fun Batman episodes. Before we do that, please dispense with the plugs so we don't forget. Sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Blue Sky Threads, at Willie Simpson, where you could perhaps see me like pull my hair out while I see people who have never watched the X-Men animated series before take clips out of context and debate Wildly them. Wildly speculate what they may mean. Right, like the, char- <laughs> the thinking they know the characters and stuff. And like, I'll just say for the record, Magneto's helmet did not block Professor X's telepathy until the movie started. Right. People are so upset about this online. They're like, oh, the X-Men animated series is stupid because of this. No, that was an invention. It came first, actually. Right, it was an invention of the movie. That's just a small thing that's been driving me crazy on social media. Um, you can also join the Facebook and Reddit groups, search out X-Men Test Podcast, where you can interact with us and the rest of the community. We're going to uh, try to incorporate some exciting things for everybody that's involved as we get into X-Men 97 times. And last but not least, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes. Again, we appreciate everyone who does just that. Mm-hmm. Sonia, where do we even begin here? There's so much to unpack. Do we start with Deadpool? Do we start with X-Men uh, 97? Go straight for the X-Men. Okay. (laughs) So the trailer came out. Um, Like most people, I thought it was quite good. Mm -hmm. We'll nitpick what we didn't like, but let's just sort of go through it straightforwardly. I don't think there's any other way to do it. Uh, It opens with the sort of like nostalgic setting place of a kid's childhood bedroom where they have a TV. They have some old X-Men VHS tapes on their shelf which I, as a kid, I taped every episode of the show. I'm sure that's amazing to me that they picked up on that detail. I'm sure lots of kids I'm sure lots of people did. must have yeah, did that at the time. They definitely also had VHS tapes of episodes. Right. Um, you know, uh, there's some Easter eggs. They showed the, the Scott and Jean framed picture that Wolverine caresses and that became a meme. Uh-huh. They show uh, like a Colossus toy uh, on the side. Interesting choice of action figures, considering Colossus was one of the main line characters of the series, but still, I appreciated that. You know, he's obviously in the show. Um, and I then have my first nitpick what was that <laughs> I have my first nitpick. Okay, lay it on me. <laughs> <laughs> they open up with watch the exciting conclusion or something like yeah. that, like leading into the final episode because they do like a two second recap of it right. coming up here. They need 
to have started the trailer with previously on X-Men. Yeah, you're 100% accurate on that. Um, that was sort of, I, that was definitely an oversight of some sort. Maybe in the first episode they do it and they're like, it has to be. You're just the like holding it back because that's going to be like the reveal. They have to open up the first episode. They almost have to do like a 10 minute previously on X-Men montage of the entire series. (laughs) It's like with the Peter Jackson get back Beatles documentary before that begins, he shows the entire Beatles history. Yeah. Like a 20 minute video presentation before like leading up to the, you know, that when that documentary begins, they need to do something like that for X-Men, a previously on X-Men thing for sure. You're hundred percent right there, Sonia. Um, it shows the the ending scene of season five where Professor X is dying, and I guess he's going to be ferried away to the Shi'ar Empire. That's how it ends, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it's a it's a string. I mean, I know that because this is a direct continuation of season five, they kind of have to start here to give people some groundwork of what's happening. I don't know, like because to me, season five is so unmemorable, and the animation is bad, and they changed voice actors which obviously the voice actors are going to be changed too for this new series, uh, many key parts. Uh, I don't know if I would have started right there. Well, they are giving you a previously on X-Men, even though they didn't yeah. say the tagline. And also they're setting up that this is like a big emotional moment. They lost their leader, Professor X. Right. The, and it's yeah. like, this is a story. Know, it's, it's a very like charged moment for all the X-Men because they're leading into a new beginning. Right. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, they, they kind of had to do it. They're laying the groundwork. They're trying to show you what the new story is going to be about. Um, it, it's fine. Uh, d- you know, again, I just, it's just like, to me, the, as an X-Men fan, the impact of season five is minimal compared to the first four seasons. Like, that's the real X-Men to me. Um, but again, you know, it's, it's still essential viewing. It's it was a quick a, it, trailer. It, yeah. So, you know, they're. All right. So now we like fade into the Marvel animation logo, which I thought was quite cool. The music is really I love this because you have like the static on the TV screen as it fades out and stuff, but you have the the X-Men animated series logo. Yeah. And it's a little fuzzy. It looks like it's being played on a VHS tape right. in the nineties. And then like, as the music swells, the logo like crisps up and it becomes like the more modern version. Yeah. And it's not like a total redo of the style. They're like holding on to a lot of elements of the old style, but they're just like cleaning it up and making it like suitable for 2024 viewers to watch. Absolutely. Uh, that was awesome. I agree. It's awesome. It was uh, creamy. It was delicious. <laughs> uh, the music is pumping too. Um, I mean, obviously in this trailer, we'll get the classic theme song. Um, I'm so glad they st- stuck with the classic theme song. Yeah. I mean, and they, you know, and they, they sort of like, we were worried about that. Recontextualize it slightly <laughs> a little bit. I was not worried about that. I knew the theme song would be in there, but okay. it sounds, you know, like they, 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 they pump it up like as they do in trailers where they'll take a classic song and They'll like overproduce certain elements on it to make it more dramatic sounding. They do that in this trailer for sure. Um, and right away, I was thrilled with the tone of this trailer. It's dark. It's a little scary. It's a political world we live in with the X Men. Yeah. It's not a like a shiny, you know, happy Disney like let's have fun X Men kind of world. Um, we it's like we get a like a wide shot of like a post apocalyptic looking New York City almost where the first characters we see in the, the background are Callisto and Leech, some of our favorite Morlocks. Mm-hmm. And looks like times are still not great for mutants in this X-Men world. Right. It's like a flashing color, almost like police lights, red and blue, as we're on like a street scene. And there's like the front page of a newspaper kind of floats by, and the animation on that is crap, which is yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> it kind of looks like the original series. <laughs> I kind of appreciated it, though, because it's like everything in general is cleaned up, but there's yeah. like little moments like that that do 
like I, I feel like they did it on purpose. Yes. I hope they did it on purpose as like a nod to the original series. And the newspaper headline is something about a, a mutant fashion show. Well, first of all, it's the Daily Bugle, so which is Spider-Man's newspaper. Right. There is a Spider-Man reference on the newspaper. It says, Spider-Man, is he a mutant? Which is like a big question like in their, their crossover episodes that they had famously. Right. There's also like a reference to Eddie Brock on the newspaper too. Um, yeah, so, but the, I, the overall thing they're establishing is that the world of X, like the political world of X-Men is still charged and like insane. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know, like the, <laughs> the X-Men has just always been the, like the greatest sort of, uh, vessel for. Like complex sociopolitical. Right. Like using it all as a, a metaphor. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and here we get the new actor who's playing Cyclops. I don't have his name listed right now, my notes, but this was one of the things I was going to be most worried about the show. Norm Spencer passed away. He is the legendary voice of Cyclops from the original show. Uh, he died young, uh, which is really sad. They have replaced him, and the actor who's replacing him is doing an excellent sound-alike job. Mm-hmm. And that was very comforting to me, that it, they're not having a new guy in there and doing his own take on it. They're getting someone in to replicate as best Norm Spencer as they can. Ray Chase. Oh, there you go. Ray Chase, welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, great job. Uh, you sound like Norm Spencer. I think you're doing him a great service. I think you're doing X-Men fans a great service. I think the producers who decided on this acting choice was uh, excellent. Mm-hmm. It's also establishing, it's, it's trying to also undo Cyclops Erasure, which has existed since X-Men came out in 2000, the movie, <laughs> where Cyclops has been relegated to a, like a background side character that, you know, dies off screen when they bring him back. He's just, he's never right, you know, like they... They always make him kind of a boring guy. Yeah. He's like, kind of like the wet blanket for like the Jean Grey Wolverine romance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah, they haven't, they never got into, I mean, the X-Men Animated series was, did excellent Cyclops stuff. I yeah. mean, obviously the comics understand who Cyclops is. Um you know, Cyclops is a, is part of the complex center of the X-Men universe with several other characters, but he's a prominent... You don't have the X-Men without Cyclops, and this trailer establishes, like, yes, yeah, Cyclops is still a focal point of this whole universe. He's not, it's not like the Wolverine show, you know, mm-hmm. Wolverine, the X-Men. Um, as much as we enjoyed that show, like, the even then the marketing had sort of, like, shifted the whole... People's understand popular understanding of the X Men away from like a more comic, you know, centered world where Cyclops is right there as a major character. Mm-hmm. So Cyclops is here. He's narrating the situation of what's going on. Um, oh, also on other voice acting stuff, Gary in the Facebook group uh, gave us this snippet from Entertainment Weekly, I think, uh, where they explained all the changes going on. So all the cast members who are alive are back. I'm pretty sure. Except many of them have been recast in different roles. Mm -hmm. So this is what Entertainment Weekly says. There's still a place for other veteran actors of X-Men and the animated series in the sequel. Catherine Disher, the original Jean Grey, is now voicing Dr. Valerie Cooper, uh, who seems to be up to no good. Uh, Chris Potter, the original Gambit, is now playing Cable slash Nathan Summers. Lawrence Bain, the original Cable, is now playing Carl Dentiel slash Executioner. Ron Rubin, the original Morph, is now playing President Robert Edward Kelly. And finally, Alison Court, the original Jubilee, is now playing uh, Absissa. Do you know how to pronounce that? I would have guessed Absissa. Okay, Absissa. So some character I'm not familiar with. I don't know if she's from the comics or not. I mean, some of these choices make sense. I mean, you know, Alison Court, they they probably wanted to get like an actual, like a Chinese-American person to play Jubilee. Because Alison Court, I think, was just a straight-up Canadian white lady. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I never, I still don't get why Chris Potter's not doing Gambit. It just might be that his voice has just aged too much. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, looking at this list, it feels like all of the cast members that played, like, a young X-Man in the 90s are now playing much older characters. So it must just be that, like, their voices have aged up, so the characters they play are being chosen accordingly. I mean, it's not consistent. I mean, they still have the original Storm actress. They still have uh, George Buza as Beast. They still have Cal Dodd as Wolverine, Uh uh, who we'll talk about. Um... It's, it's, I mean, I'm just happy that all the voice actors have a part. Like, so I was, yeah, like last week we talked about Chris, like, why isn't Chris Potter Gambit? Like, he could probably just do the voice, you know, like, what the hell? But like, I I don't know, like, maybe they just did tests and it just wasn't working or they had other ideas. And hopefully, given what we hear from Cyclops here, and because we don't hear Gambit speak in this trailer, that the guy, they get to do Gambit. Just Sounds does like him. a Chris Potter impression. I'd be happy with that. Thanks for that info, Gary. That was nice. Yeah, thank you, Gary, for laying that. I mean, that was like a big mystery for a lot of X-Men fans of like, what is going on with the voice casting? It's a little strange. Right. But then also on the internet, we heard people who were not familiar with the original series, really, but were only familiar with like later iterations of Wolverine or whatever, mm-hmm. complaining about Cal Dodd's performance yeah. as I mean, Wolverine, being like, why did they get this guy? And it's I- like, well... I've been mentioning that for the past couple of years, whenever I've heard Cal Dodd do the voice and like he's appeared in other people's podcasts or he's done like a Marvel... He did like a Marvel audiobook of some kind mm-hmm. where he prized the role. He just doesn't sound the same. Yeah, he doesn't. So I think the the part is his. I don't care that he doesn't sound the same. <laughs> you know, like I'm fine with whatever he's giving us. He doesn't even, he doesn't sound that bad. It just sounds like weirdly clipped in the one shot that we hear him speak in the trailer. Uh-huh. Uh, it's not like the best line of dialogue either. It's kind of like a silly joke. Yeah. I mean, he sounds older because he is older, so there's nothing wrong with but that. But don't you think that would lend with the voice of Wolverine? Because he doesn't, when he, in the original series, he doesn't sound like a young man. He sounds like a grizzled yeah. old guy, too. So, He's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I feel like all of it is going to come together anyway. Yeah. You know? I, I've already stopped caring about Cal Dodd not sounding as he did 30 years Same. ago. I don't care. It's fine. I'm happy he's back as Wolverine. It's okay. Um, I'm sure it'll work. Uh, other things you see in the trailer, there's like a shot of a funeral and a casket being lowered into the ground. People on the internet are already speculating that this is a fake out, that it's mm-hmm. not, because people assume it's Professor X, but Professor X is not dead. I think it was clearly, I, I just haven't seen the season five finale in a long time, but I think it was clearly established you had to go to the Shi'ar Empire to get healed with right. Lilandra. I remember that too, but. Right. Uh, okay, we'll see what yeah. happens. <laughs> I think the X-Men are like watching him fly away. Like that's what the ending shot is. I could be mistaken. Again, I, I should know better, but I, I just, my desire to ever revisit season five is the lowest always when it comes to revisiting X-Men. And I'm sure it's the same with many X-Men fans. Mm-hmm. So I just don't have like the the beats of the season five finale committed to memory. But I don't think that is Professor X's uh, funeral there. Um, people have speculated that it's other characters. If they kill off, a, <laughs> if in the name of like a morph-esque like shock killing if they kill off one of the main cast members i'll be upset i'll be emotionally distraught mm. it could be but again the x-men they play around with time travel so much it could be an alternate future where someone is shown to be dead like who knows who's going to be why we'll find out um storm narrates a bit the original storm actress her name is escaping me too right now um i think her name is like allison healy smith or sonia's looking it up uh she's narrating she sounds fine um uh, the X mansions being invaded in one shot. We see a shot of like some Allison Seely Smith. Allison, yeah, Se- yeah Seely Smith. I always forget her name. Um, she's back. She sounds fine. Uh, you know, we see the X mansion being invaded. As I said, there's like a shot of this pyramid place that might be Genosha. Nobody knows for sure. With statues of Magneto and Professor X. Uh, we see quick shots. Jean is pregnant, which is a plot beat we 
you know, was like revealed months ago or last year or something. Mm-hmm. So Jean is finally going to be pregnant. That was the plan originally for season two, that Jean was going to have a kid. And that was too much for the Fox censors at the time. Right. But now society can handle it. Right. So um, I wonder if that means Mr. Sinister is going to be back in this uh, season. Uh, yeah. Mr. Sinister supposedly is the big uh, bad for season one here. Okay. Uh, the original Rogue actress is back, uh, Laura Zahn or Lana Zahn. I, again, I, I apologize on the names. They always escape me. Um, but uh, people were complaining about, um, humorously complaining that there's a shot of Rogue. Oh, yeah. Lenore. Lenore Zahn. Yes, I'm sorry. Lenore Zahn is back. She sounds fine. They were complaining about uh, Rogue's backside not being as voluptuous <laughs> as it was in the original X-Men show, uh, which I thought was funny. Um comment sonia on uh rogue's butt uh-huh and nothing D- do i have a comment yeah. on rogue's butt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no i mean they always drew her as a sexy woman right. in the original series i assume they'll do so here again but we only get like what, one clip of rogue yeah. so like who can say really you right yeah it could just be the angle it's, it's shown at um uh the the scene that really caused people to freak out was uh gambit riding on the back of wolverine and charging up his claws which is, I'm not quite sure how the logistics of that work exactly. Yeah, everyone's speculating. Does that mean that Wolverine blows up or does the adamantium skeleton save him? Right. I mean, the claws are attached to his skeleton. So, I mean, the kinetic energy, I don't know. Who knows what's going on? Um, there, you know, people also saying that's a scene where they're fighting Sentinels, probably in the danger room, not like an actual mission. Um, and then it ends with the epic shot of... To me, my X-Men from Cyclops, and they have the great assembling shot. A funny little side thing that is uh, hard to notice is that Rogue carries Beast in by his umber- underpants and <laughs> flips him forward, <laughs> which is funny. Um, we don't hear Beast speak in the trailer. And then there's like a post-stinger a little bit where Magneto's in the X-Mansion. The X-Men are just all like in their workout gear. They're playing basketball. And uh, Magneto informs him that Professor X left his entire X-Men empire to him, uh-huh. that he'll be leading the team. And he's got a little bit of a devilish grin on his face. Although I think that's a bit of a misdirect. I think he's going to be a good guy. Yeah, definitely. And it's a new Magneto actor, too. And he sounds like he's doing an impression of the original actor. Mm-hmm. So how much these like new voice actors like uh, bug you or make you happy, I think that's going to be up to everyone to decide for themselves. I was pretty happy with at least hearing Cyclops and Magneto, Mm -hmm. the new actors doing them. It sounded fine enough to me. Yeah. I mean, it is an interesting mix of like recasts that sound like the old actors and the actual old actors that sound like older versions of themselves. But right. Whatever, I don't care. I don't care either. Yeah, I got over it quick. It's fine. I know we complained about it like a few episodes back, but I, but I'm I'm good with it all. Let's see what happens. The only thing I'd really nitpick is like how good is the animation. It's tough to say. It seems like a mix of certain styles. Like they're definitely going to they're they're trying to emulate the original animation style, not the season five animation, but you know, the, mm-hmm. the mainstream animation style in the perhaps the frame rate is that you know the best way to say it like it's not like smooth like 60 frames per second it's like a chopped up you know 20 frames per second kind of animation mm-hmm. at times and then other times in the action sequences it's more like beefed up to like fast movement and like quick you know more like slick animation the illustration was more what I was looking at than like the frame rate mm-hmm. or anything because it's more recognizable like right. one of those opening scenes where they like pan out over the city yeah um, and you see like the, those painted mat bridges scenes. over the the water right. or whatever. I guess like with helicopters or something. Right. Like that looked very updated to me. That kind of scene I don't think would have ever 
looked like that in the original series. Right. But then other parts where they're showing like all the X-Men assembled inside the Blackbird, for example, that looked like the old style to me. I, I think it's know. just like, I'm very happy that it's not the what if style. I was really worried that everything yeah. was going to be like a glossy computer, like thick tapered outlines. Mm. Like I was kind of worried that they were going to like update it really too much. Yeah. But like they definitely are trying their best to stay true to the source material while also updating it like just slightly to make it crisper for like, you know, 4K televisions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, 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 we need to see more regular scenes with how the characters move mm-hmm. to get a greater sense of what this is going to yeah, look like. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like you can't judge the animation yet because we haven't seen like a complete sequence yet. You I know, think like you know, everything is just like a few seconds here and there. Yeah. Some people speculate that it's kind of anime style where when you have the characters sitting around talking, there's not much movement. It looks kind of cheap and like, like still more like a camera pan. Yeah. Like, like the characters true... are frozen in place. Yeah. That was not the original X-Men series. Like they did try to realistically have the characters move as much as they could That's in true. like a static scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they're going for a more anime style, that'd be different. Cause in an anime too, it's like, but when you get to action, then the animation comes to life and the characters are, you know, like all over the place and mm-hmm. action's dynamic. I think we'll have dynamic action, but I, I want, I wonder and worry just a little bit about the static, like talking scenes, but again, we'll have to find out with this trailer. I'm happy with it so far. I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's the trailer. Uh, I don't know. I think you could tell, like, I'm a little overstimulated by all this. <laughs> I've been just reading all social media, seeing people's reactions to it. I, I think for the most part, it is extremely positive and people are very hyped and stoked and that's a lot of fun. Uh, it is weird. I mean, I do love, I mean, the, the the trailer does establish itself as political too. It's not shying away from the issues that the X-Men is about. Mm-hmm. And that, I, like, I've seen that reflected in the social media commentary where people are, like, there's already a war over, like, because Morph is supposed to be non-binary in this mm-hmm. um, season. Uh, maybe he was in the previous seasons too, but they obviously didn't address that back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were like, you know, people who are sort of more conservative are aghast at that idea and think the X-Men have gone woke, which to, I say is like totally ridiculous and insane. And like, if you are quote unquote a fan of the X-Men and you're upset about them going woke, then I would say you're never a fan of the X-Men. Like, <laughs> or you missed the point in the first place. You missed TV. the point, like totally entire, like watched it with your brain turned off, like the movies too. I mean, like every like piece of media content, including every last comic book is like highly political, highly has a moralistic message. Fighting for social justice at every turn. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive metaphor for insert whatever, you know, fight for social justice group you want to fight, uh, insert in there. It's yeah. not, it's not, um, it was never subtle, like to the point of like, if you blinked, you would have missed it. It was just always in your face. It's what the stories are about. It's what the stories of the original cartoon were about. Uh-huh. You know, they're in Washington all the time. And they're so, like, like, how do you know that the criticism is coming from fans? It's probably I don't, but it, people who yeah. are just like jumping on the bandwagon of the hype and well, finding it out about like these characters and storylines for the first time and being like, what? This is what it's about. I think there's a lot of professional, quote unquote, geeks out there, blue check marks that talk about a lot of like fandom stuff, be it Star Wars or comic books or whatever. And they're automatically like preloading this like controversial opinion that the X-Men are now woke and they're pumping it out there for their audiences and to like enrage people who actually know what the X-Men are. And to me, it just reveals that like it's all, it was all grift in the first place. Cause there's just no way you could be a fan of the X-Men and hold these opinions about, uh, it's like a political or moralistic content 
in some way that like it's changed now. It's not the same as it was. Like, mm-hmm. no, fuck off. You're fucking wrong on every level. You're a grifter. Get out of my face. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I am amused at the sort of just like the level of like fighting like on social media that has taken place in light of all of that. Like the X-Men brings it out of people. <laughs> like X-Men gets people like ready and raring to go to like talk about this shit and like get in people's faces. And uh, like the passion level for X-Men is to me and always will be so much higher than any of this like MCU stuff we've seen in the past 15 years with Avengers, you know, like just yeah. speaking as a pure property, it's just not the same. Like X-Men is on a higher level of like popularity and like meaningfulness to people. Well, cause it actually like discusses real issues because it is a metaphor for so many real issues in the real world. Whereas the Avengers, it's kind of the storylines are like good versus evil yeah. without recognizing what in the real world, good and evil really stand for. Yeah. And the X-Men makes those, those connections explicit. Absolutely. And that's the big difference. And the characters are better. I mean, like that's and the, the characters are better. They're way better, they're more interesting, they're more diverse. There's What was that one scene you were telling me about became like a huge meme or something about like that episode uh Professor early on. X and Magneto. Yeah, yeah. right. The, like like the, episode four. The building is burning down and like Magneto is trying to like kill a lot of innocent people. Right. He's he's invading a, he's starting his mutant terrorism campaign. He wants to destroy the infrastructure of United States, like, starting with chemical plants. And Professor X, like, in a dire moment, enters his mind and reminds him. All the X-Men have been taken out by Magneto. Professor X is knocked out of his floating wheelchair. He's seemingly uh, defenseless. Right. I mean, I remember the scene very well from the cartoon, but, like, it has recently resurfaced. And Professor X goes into Magneto's mind and reminds him of, like, all the atrocities that he himself experienced and witnessed during the Holocaust. Right. And what was what was it that people were trying to say that they're he's like? <laughs> they're saying that Professor X is the bad guy because he's making Magneto relive his trauma. Now Professor X does do some really like bad psychotherapy on yes, people. We've sometimes. talked about that extensively. <laughs> but normally it's because he's like causing people to suppress memories or like put things in the vault that are like obviously going to come out again later and haunt them. This is not one of those times, you know what I no. mean? Like, in this instance, <laughs> it's not that he's just making him relive trauma to be cruel. It's that he's reminding Magneto of his own humanity in that moment and being like, look, like, these atrocities have happened to you in your lifetime, and now you're doing them to other people. Mm-hmm. That's not the path. He's showing him how, like, people pa- feel pain the same way and they have psychological trauma the same way. Like, it's all – you're perpetuating something that you – like, was your worst nightmares in life that you wish would never happen again. Mm-hmm. And it's a brilliant scene. I mean, it's amazing. It's incre- it's an incredible scene. And that's in, like, the third or fourth episode of the show. Like, it's how good the show is. So people go say they go back and they watch it and it doesn't hold up. I just don't buy it. I mean, like, it, the writing is so strong. The voice acting is so strong. Like, th- there's a real show there. Anyway, yeah, it is wild to see, like, people posting X-Men clips and people not familiar with the show, like, talking about them out of context wildly. Again, it's kind of fun in a way. I'm not, like, judging people for having their opinions about it. I just find it, like, it it, it just, I don't know. I I feel like they they should do more homework. But, I mean, it's just the nature of entertainment. Like, people are just going to see what they see on Twitter. all the homework that ever was, but... They're going to see X-Men clips on TikTok, and they're going to have a reaction to them. They're not going to go back necessarily and watch all five seasons in a row and, like, absorb it in a way that, you know... I mean, some people will, for sure. But, uh... Anyway, great trailer. Looking forward to the uh, X-Men 97 series coming out. A month away. Oh, my God. Um, And... 
We also have to talk about Deadpool. Right. So that came out earlier in the week. I, I think we mentioned the most viewed trailer of all time now, 365 million views in the last estimate. Uh, what can we say at this point? I mean, like, we've all seen it. It's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It looks like a lot of fun to me. It looks like it's going to be a home run. It looks like it's going to be a billion-dollar movie. I don't think Marvel's going to have trouble having a hit on their hands as they've had in recent years. I can't imagine it screwing up in any way. You know, like, Deadpool 2, we talked about last week, was like a little bit of a slight step back as Deadpool 1. It also made the same amount of money, I believe. So it didn't, like, push Deadpool, like, into a higher stratosphere in terms of, like, a like a you know, money-busting sequel or popularity-busting sequel. Mm-hmm. But I think Deadpool 3 will, just because Hugh Jackman is here as Wolverine, and that's just, like, a colossal combination that... Yeah, but also you have, like, the TVA in here, like, all the stuff that we've been watching in Loki comes to bear. And I think, like, a lot of people were hooked into Loki because Thor was one of, like, the very earlier, like, runs of Avenger movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Thor 1 came out pretty early. Right. And- in the sphere of the MCU. So you think people are like clued into the Loki stuff a little yeah, bit Yeah, so I think- I mean, Loki was one of the more popular shows. Right? And it was one of the better ones, yeah. so like with good reason. It ended really well. I am happy that they're carrying some of that through into this movie. And it's a chance for them to like re-explain all this multiverse stuff that has really divided audiences or like let audiences down mm-hmm. and do it in a more fun way with Deadpool and kind of like have him sort up and clean up the Marvel universe in, in a way that's a lot more entertaining and- like forward pushing towards X-Men and Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I mean, like he outright says, I am Marvel Jesus. Like that's a funny thing to yeah, say. Yeah, there's a lot of like breaking of the fourth wall. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, what? I mean, there's like a lot of like obscure little, like there's a comic book on this ground and one of the backgrounds of the scenes that shows like a Secret Wars comic with Dr. Doom's face on it. Mm-hmm. People are talking about that. Uh, you know, like, they don't show Hugh Jackman in the trailer, which is a fun choice, I thought. I like the Wolverine reveal, though. In, like, in right. shadow, as he, like, walks up towards Deadpool, you see the, the, the pointy... Hair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see his back, you know, like, his yellow yeah. costume and everything. People are very excited and happy about that. Um, the movie also is going to be R-rated for sure. I mean, the trailer had cursing in it. It had sexual jokes. Looked pretty violent. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, Deadpool... I mean, Ryan Reynolds uh, directly addressing the camera, like, mentioning that Disney... You know, is not used to having a movie talking, discussing themes of pegging, for instance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all fun and cute. Like, I think that's what, like, fans needed to see, you know. Mm-hmm. They were worried that when Marvel, I mean, when Disney was uh, purchasing Marvel, that st- stuff like Deadpool was just never going to happen again. Right. Because of their branding. I mean, and how about the idea that, like, I, I mean, this is going to be a fully bloody, gory movie with Deadpool. And you're going to have Wolverine. And I think it's going to continue some of the violence we saw in Logan, for instance, too. Mm-hmm. Where Wolverine was, like, literally decapitating people and there's, like, gushers of blood you know, coming from their limbs and things. Yeah. And I mean, Deadpool also has historically been extremely violent. So I would imagine they're going to carry that through. Just the tone is obviously different because it's right. It's It's not going to be Logan. But the point about that is like, this is Disney showing you Wolverine for the first time. And it's going to be a super violent, bloody Wolverine. It's not going to be like a sanitized Wolverine as we saw in the Fox movies where they weren't really like doing much blood and Mm -hmm. like the violence. They, they kind of (laughs) like, They toned it way down. Yeah, they toned it way down. They, like, discreetly kind of looked away when Wolverine was stabbing somebody. It was never, like, you know, uh-huh. never, like, directly... He was never directly massacring people, which I think we're going to get a little bit in this movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for me personally, it's like the X-Men trailer, a, l- a little bit eclipsed the Deadpool-Wolverine trailer. Uh, just in the sequence of events in the, the week, the X-Men's little thing, X-Men thing's a little fresher. Uh-huh. And that's exciting. 
But I am really still also very excited for this Deadpool movie, I have to say. Like, yeah. It did ignite my hype level, for sure. Agreed. On that. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, people are, the question is, is Marvel back? Mm. I don't know. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> They've got shit that's good that they haven't, like, used before, like the X-Men. Right. It's, and also Fantastic Four, yes. the casting was just announced. Right, yeah. The, uh, Vanessa Kirby, um, so you're just bringing up the list. The guy from Stranger Things, the latest season of Stranger Things, I think his name was Eddie in the show. I don't know what his real name is, so he's looking it up. Um, uh, the guy from Stranger Things is Joseph Quinn. Right, yeah. Then we have, I don't know how to say this guy's name, Eben Moss Backrack. As a thing? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then Pedro Pascal as mm-hmm. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, they showed like it's like they released a poster of the Fantastic Four. It's like retro '60s style, uh, which you know leans, uh, lends credence to the idea that this movie is going to be a period piece where the Fantastic Four get caught in time or something and arrive in the future. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. Yeah, I like the style of the poster. I think that's like the way to go. This is a Fantastic Four just trapped out of time. One of Reed Richards' experiments went crazy, and now they're in the present day MCU. That's a lot of fun to me. I cannot wait for the Fantastic Four. I hope it's really good. Um, yeah, very excited about that as well. So, I, yeah, I mean, is Marvel back? I think a little bit, yeah. I mean, like, de-emphasizing a lot of the stuff that's just boring and not interesting. Yeah, the way to doing go. good and, job pulling it back a little bit. Yeah, so. so we'll see. You know, I think, I don't, you know, I don't think, I think pe- reports of it being dead were a little bit premature. But they do have to see through on a lot. I mean, there's still a long way to go. Like, Deadpool is one thing, but when they finally get to the X-Men movies which I'm presuming is going to have, for instance, a new Wolverine. I don't think it's going to be Hugh Jackman. I mean, maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know. Who knows mm-hmm. what they're going to do with that. But like, that's a whole other can of worms of which to judge like, kind of for real about like, how Disney's handling the X-Men, what it's going to feel like and look like, etc. So, mm-hmm. But that's not for many years from now. I'm sure. Okay, wow. <laughs> that is so much stuff, Sonia. <laughs> Can you believe we have to? We have like eight or so episodes of Batman to go. Yeah, I know. Nine, I think, right? Nine, okay. Nine episodes of Batman. So we're going to be doubling them up. Um, uh, and, you know, we're not... I, I think our talks on these Batman episodes are go- not going to be quite as extensive. We'll try to be a little breezy with At it. least with this episode, because there's so much X-Men news here. So, And like the first episode here, episode 17, Animal Act, was kind of a filler bad episode. Right. This uh Bruce Tim considers this to be like one of the worst episodes in all of like the DC animated universe. So um should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. We can we can try to breeze our way through here. Yeah. Um it's funny how like the last episode with the farmer brown or whatever, Bruce Tim was like, fans hate this episode, but we love it. Right. And this one he's like, this one's one of the worst ever. But they're both about animals in a weird way i actually thought this one was a little bit better than the last one this one's like a little more coherent to me i also like that it ties in like some of the backstory of dick grayson yeah because is like the whole point of the following episode. right yeah these two actually kind of like went well together yeah they go hand in hand the old wounds episode right so um the first one here animal act um Basically, like, Batman and Robin and Nightwing are all out on a rooftop one night, like, doing their patrol or whatever, and they see a suspicious figure climbing on, like, another building. They run and catch it. A figure wearing a trench coat. Turns out to be a gorilla. <laughs> I like that. I like an animal wearing human clothes. <laughs> it's this gorilla, Peaches, and Nightwing knows her because he grew up in the circus right. that she works at. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, so Dick and Tim go to visit the circus and he's like greeting all of the different circus performers and he meets, 
um, a childhood friend of his. It was all grown up. A beautiful woman named Miranda. And her her family was also a circus family, like, for generations, I guess. And they d- did, like, the animal entertainment. So she has a boa constrictor, like, draped around her when they first meet. And um, she's, like, the lion tamer. She keeps the gorillas, the elephants, the, you know, the whole milieu of um, circus animals. Um, and... Dick is trying to kind of like ask her like what's going on right. with the animals. He does seem a little suspicious. She's like suspect number one. They do that on purpose, yeah. I'm sure. Um, because he had this encounter with the gorilla, but she's like, what? No, like I have no idea about that and she, like sends them away. And Dick does believe her. Yeah. But Batman is a little more suspicious. Right, exactly. Um, but Batman calls Nightwing here and he's like, listen, there's another crazy thing happening. So... Uh, he has to leave Miranda and uh, go join Batman at the next crime scene, which is happening at some kind of like car factory. Uh, yeah, some kind of it's factory a car, it's a car, car factory. garage or something. They go out of the way to show that like there's a whole like box of CPUs that I'm assuming have to be installed in the cars. And I was like, wow, did cars have computers in them in the late '90s already? I guess. Uh, yeah, they probably did, but that that was a little shocking to me. Like. Uh, so inside the factory, it's two grizzly bears running amok. Right. They're trying to, like, steal things or, I don't know, something. They're not mutant grizzly bears like we've seen in these recent episodes with all these wild, genetically engineered animals. But they might as well be, considering how crazed they look. Yeah. And how violent they are. I mean, they have to, Batman and Nightwing have to kind of, like, fight the bears and, like, trap them. And so they do get reser- returned to the circus eventually. Um and Miranda takes them back into their cages, and uh, Bullock is there trying to warn her, like, you know, don't let any more incidents like this happen. Like, right. make sure you're locking the cages. And Miranda has no excuse as to how the animals are getting out. She seems very mystified, and it turns out to be genuine. Right. Um, Bullock is harassed a bit by a clown that's uh, leaning on his car and, you know, like, playing pranks on him and stuff. And Bullock is this close to arresting him, but the clown sort of uh, gets the better of him and like, happily runs away from him. After doing some practical jokes on him. It turns out this clown is the Mad Hatter. Right. This is the last we're going to see the Mad Hatter in the animated series. Um, he doesn't look that different. This is the first time we were seeing him in this season, right? Yes. He's redesigned. Yeah, he's another redesign. He looks a little more human than he ha- did. I like this redesign, yeah. Yeah, he looks pretty good. Um, so then Dick goes to talk to Miranda about, like, what's going on, and, like, he- here she really r- reveals that she really knows nothing. She's like, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I'm going to figure out who's, like, messing with my animals, because, like, she also doesn't like that this is being done to her charges, you know? Yeah. Um, so, turns out... <laughs> <laughs> this is a funny twist. That the Mad Hatter was disguising himself as a clown and had put, like, those mind control devices right. on, like, the neck, the back of the necks of who, the bears. Who knew that they work on animals, too? Right. And he goes to retrieve them, and Miranda catches him. And uh, Batman and Nightwing make it to the, to the circus. Um, and Miranda's sort of, like, mind-controlled by the Mad Hatter, too. He, like, slips a chip on her. Right. So and, she's in trouble. And like all of the circus performers, it kind of culminates in like the main circus ring where Batman and Robin are confronting the Mad Hatter. And he's like, oh, well, you know, it's great because I can control animals from afar. They're not quite as like independent as people. Right. So like I can have them do my bidding and it's really no problem. But people are a little trickier because you have to be in proximity to, to control them fully. There's another scene where Batman like finds the security tape 
and you see the bears entering the access codes to like get into the <laughs> yeah, <it's insane. laughs> different parts of Philly. That really made me laugh. Yeah. Um, you know, this episode again, it's like it's pretty straight ahead. Like there's a whole confrontation at the circus where Batman and Robin uh and Miranda too. I'm well, she's kind of mind controlled. They all have to fight like the people in the circus. They'll have mind control on them, like the strong man and the flamethrower guy. Right. And the Med Hatter has like updated his technology. It used to be a little like card that he would have to slip next to somebody's head. Right. And now it's a little metal chip or something that he attaches behind their ear. Yeah. But then like in the midst of all the fighting, the circus performers are like closing in on Batman and Robin. Uh, the Mad Hatter's hat gets knocked off. And, by a fire breather. Right, which, by accident. Yeah, it just seemed like Batman should have just been aiming for the Mad Hatter's hat the whole time with his battering. Right, because you can see that he's still doing the mind control by having the card in like the brim of his hat. Yeah. So as soon as it gets knocked off, all of the circus performers come to and they're like, what's going on? The fight scene was interesting to me in the sense that the Mad Hatter said all these people, they don't, they can't feel fear, uh, they, they feel no fear. And they experience no pain. Yeah. And that reminded me of one of the Arkham video games where you fight, um, I forget the guy, I think his name is Pig, spelled Uh P-Y-G. He's a newer Batman villain. And he, like, does all these disgusting surgeries on people and, like, removes their, like, their pain receptor. He severs all their, like, pain receptors in their body and he sort of mind controls them. And you as Batman have to beat them all up. But because they never feel fear, they keep getting up like zombies. Mm. And you have to knock them out in such a way. And there are more and more, and they're mounting, mounting. It's a very difficult challenge. And this scene kind of reminded me of that here. Hmm. I thought that was like mildly interesting because that was a, a fun uh, part of the video game. But anyway, they you know they get the best of Mad Hatter here. Uh, Peaches ends up pinning him to the ground and humorously like crushes him. Right when she's no longer mind right. controlled, um, and Miranda manages to like get a hold of all her animals again. They're safe back at the circus. Um, and that's it. That's the demise of the Mad Hatter. Well, the Robin, like the the younger Robin, Tim Drake. Uh, it ends with like he in the, earlier in the episode, Tim showed interest in the circus. So Dick's like, "Oh, I'll get you a job there." And we see what the job he gets. He has to like clean out the animal cages. It's really disgusting. Right. They say at the end he has like a week of uh, circus work right. ahead of him. It seems more of a punishment than. <laughs> I know for what he didn't do anything. No, he was. Fun. Yeah, I don't know. It was funny. He oh. also was like quite enchanted with Miranda when he first met her. <laughs> yeah. So he gets to hang out with her and like clean the animal cages. So yeah, uh, it's an okay episode. It's not as bad as Bruce Tim thinks. I thought, but yeah. it's also like no great shakes. Just, I kind of remembered it from childhood. Mm. I would. It, it's kind of like the previous week. It's like I wouldn't skip over it on purpose. But yeah, I also wouldn't watchable. go out of my way to like watch it uh, as like a standalone episode just because. Right. You know? That leads us to the next episode, episode eighteen, "Old Wounds," which is the episode I've been waiting for the entire season. Which yeah. is it's sort of the explanation of Nightwing. Right. It doesn't like fully explain it, but they give enough like details and backstory and it's a it's a pretty good story overall also because like we just saw some of his of uh uh dick grayson's backstory like living right. at the circus and growing up there and so like this kind of it like leads into this one in right. a nice I mean, way this is like oh what else is going on with this character yeah i, I mean this is know. essentially the nightwing origin episode mm-hmm. so sonia how does it begin um do you need me to... Here, I'll start. Start it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our notes are crazy today because of all this X-Men stuff um, and doing two episodes. Uh, it starts with, like, the young Robin again, Tim Drake. He's in the alley fighting a bunch of, like, big goons or pickpockets or thieves or whatever. And he seems to get the upper hand, but, uh, you know... One of the cro- right, one of the crooks gets away, and luckily Nightwing is right there around the corner and catches him and brings him back to Tim. Right, yeah. Tim him. is in trouble, but the Nightwing saves him. 
And I do like this, like this whole framing of this device of this episode is Tim, first of all, you could tell he looks up to the older Robin. Mm-hmm. He wants to know more about him. He doesn't understand why him and a Batman are like, have a really frosty relationship these days. And, uh, and when he asks Nightwing, Night- Nightwing's only response is, oh, things change. You should ask Batman. And he's like, I did. And he said the exact same thing as you. Surprise. So now they have to like go hang out by the docks and have a heart to heart. I do like that Nightwing doesn't just blow him off. He does like him give him a full explanation. And I think it's I think it's right of Dick to do that too because he could tell that this kid is sort of following in his footsteps and he might have to deal with the he's going to understand a little bit like what what it's like dealing with Batman and how complicated it's going to be. So he's like slash warning him slash like um preparing him. I don't know. I I like it. Yeah. I agree. Um, so the flashback begins on Dick's graduation day. He's graduating from college. It's one of the most important days of his life. GSU. And Bruce isn't there. He's like out fighting crime instead. But Alfred and Barbara are in the audience and they're like, oh man, like Dick's going to be crushed that Bruce wasn't here. That seems to be the least of Dick's concerns. He doesn't seem to care that Bruce, at least they don't show it. Right. He's got other stuff going on that day. Later that evening, um, Dick and Barbara are out on a date at like a fancy restaurant and like they're having a nice time. But then Dick gets a beep. What do you, what do you call it? A, a beeper. Page. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> interesting. There's some details revealed here that I thought were interesting where Barbara's like, oh, like you're going to be rich like Bruce. And you would assume like, yeah, he's like, you know, Bruce's son, more or less. He probably gets an inheritance. He says, but no, he says, no, he's getting a trust fund, but from the circus. Right. The settlement from when his parents passed away. Right. So he's not using Bruce's money to live. He's like, I'm going to be my own man. Right. And we see Nightwing in the various episodes in this episode. He's got his own apartment with like a sliding door. With, where a he very fancy his, apartment. Yeah, his Nightwing outfit. So I bet he does have some money from Bruce Wayne. There's no way the trust fund was that lucrative. But who knows? Yeah. I don't know. You never know. I mean, but I, I like that. It's the, the point is, though, he wants to, like, become independent. Right. Not just, like, hang on to Bruce for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um. So he gets paged by by Batman, and he has to, like, abruptly run out and, like, cut the date short. And Barbara's kind of, like, confused what's happening. And it should be noted that Barbara is Batgirl at this point, but she doesn't know who Batman and Robin are. Right. And yeah. they presumably don't know who she is. Yes. Well, Batman does, but... We come to find out, Batman does, but right. Dick doesn't. Yes. So, uh, you know, Robin arrives where Batman is. He's doing a stakeout, and it's a Joker uh, mad scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, Joker, I mean, essentially the whole thing with Joker, he's like hijacking some kind of microwave transmitter that's going to disrupt all the air traffic in Gotham. So you're not able to fly any planes over Gotham, and he wants $40 million ransom right. to disable his device. So you could tell here that, like, you know, Robin is annoyed that Batman is a little critical of him. He's like, you're late. And Robin's like, I was busy. I have a life, you know. And Batman just ignores this. Very tense. Right. So, And this is also interesting, too, because we're seeing Dick Grayson in the Robin outfit in this new sort of animated style. He looks a little different than he did in seasons one and two. Yeah. He's a little more leaner. His face looks a little different. Um, anyway, you know, they're they're doing the stakeout and... Uh, the the story seems to focus on this one henchman named Connor who's going to get paid a hundred bucks to be the lookout for Joker and his goons when they do this robbery. Right, but things go sideways and like they leave him there basically, and Batman's trapped under some like piping or something. Right, there's he's some like, fight with the Joker where there's a lot of machine guns and rockets going off and right, and he's like, oh, like Robin, don't worry about me, just go. And so like the others get away, but Connor is on foot because they left him. 
Um, and Robin follows him like back to his apartment where he has a wife and young son. Right. And Batman like manages to catch up. <laughs> Batman at that destroys point. their apartment. He goes crashing through the window and smashes Connor up against the wall in front of his kid and wife. Right. And he's like being very scary. And Robin's like, you know, don't do this in front of his family. That's not right. And Batman is just like enraged and can't and like doesn't back down. Yeah. And Robin's like, all right, I'm out of here. I can't like be party to this and jumps out the window. I thought. It was a little out of character for Batman from everything we've seen in this animated sh- series for him to be uh, so violent in front of a child. Yeah. Because I feel like there's been multiple moments in the show where this kind of scene has played out before and Batman like goes out of his way stops to himself. Not. Yeah. He's yeah. almost like horrified and ashamed of himself when this happens. Uh, and he, I think in this universe of Batman, Batman is a superhero in Gotham. He's beloved and celebrated. They sell merchandise of him mm-hmm. and he's a role model for children. So. Right. It's a little different here. I mean, it's for the purpose of the story, but still, it, it stuck out to me just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Later that night at 3 a.m., <laughs> Dick comes knocking on Barbara's door, right. and she, like, gets up out of bed to open the door for him, and he he's, like, so upset. And she's like, well, you want to talk about it? And he's like, no, I have to figure this out on, on my own, because he can't reveal the secret of Batman and Robin. Right, so Barbara goes to uh, Bruce Wayne's house, and she's like, what's the matter with Dick? And and Bruce is like, you really care about him, don't you? And so he decides to let her in on the secret that he's Batman. Now, I thought this was staged all very ridiculously. Because uh-huh. he leads her over to the clock room. He's not. He's being coy about what's going on. Uh, Bruce is still, like, relatively a young man. Robin is a young man. And he's le- <laughs> she's leading Barbara into this, like, dark cave. And immediately, immediately in my mind, I'm thinking they have, like, a secret sex relationship. This is a sex dungeon. <laughs> like, that's what I would be thinking if I was in Barbara's shoes. Especially with the way Dick he's like, I can't talk about my relationship with Bruce, you know? So, I find that all funny. And, and it's obviously not the case. <laughs> I don't think that's what I would be thinking if I were Barbara, but... <laughs> it's just, to me, it's like the sexual undertones of Batman and Robin relationship. It just goes back decades and decades and decades. It's just there, whether it's intentional or not. And it's yeah. just always amusing to me when it's... There. And this was like one of those scenes where it kind of... Like, if I... Again, if I was in Barbara's position, that's what my first instinct would be. Is There's no way to guess Batman and Robin. I would think, like, weird sex relationship between them. But anyway... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he does lead her down into the back cave to just like, you know, prove to her uh, instead of just saying I'm Batman, he shows her. And uh Alfred comes in and I like this. This was funny. Yeah, uh he's like, "Oh." <laughs> like he's very surprised that uh Bruce has revealed the secret to Barbara. Well, he's like, uh, "Barbara, you've discovered my secret that I am Batman." Yeah. He tries to cover for Bruce Wayne. No, he's just making a joke. I, no, I think he was legitimately that was like the best he can come up with in the moment because oh. he's still trying to protect the secret. But you know, no, I think he was just joking. All right, that's fair. I, uh, I read it the other way. But uh, Bruce is like, it's okay, Alfred. She knows. And she's like, why did you decide to share the secret with me? And he's like, well, you have a secret of your own. And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I made it my business to know who Batgirl is. <laughs> <laughs> you see, this was something we complained about when we originally, when Batgirl was originally introduced uh, of like the fact that Batman and Robin supposedly didn't know who she was. It's, Totally, especially for Batman. Especially, yeah. Uh, but I think it was hinted in that episode that Batman did figure it out. Uh, yeah, they just didn't make it explicit. So here they're telling you. Yeah, uh, it, it's more satisfying in the Superman cartoon when Bruce Wayne figures out who Superman is. Mm. Like that was a lot. I mean, Superman figures out who Batman is instantly just, just by using his X-ray vision. Mm-hmm. But then Batman, yeah, Batman gets him <laughs> back in the next scene. That's what he says. Yeah, and he like he spies on Clark. Kent. Like he just figures it all. It's really amazing that he world's greatest detective. Yeah. Um, all right. So Batgirl's in on the secret. Uh, 
like uh, does like another alert go off here? Yeah, uh, this is where Joker's on TV talking about he needs a $40 million ransom. So uh, Batman's like, oh, I need to call Nightwing, but he can't get a hold of him. He's like, oh, but I'm going to need backup. This is going to be a big one. And Barbara's like, oh, you got your backup right here. So they take off in the Batmobile to go to, it's like the tallest building in Gotham is where he's going to broadcast this like ray satellite thing to disrupt planes from. And uh, they get up there and, you know, they're fighting it's and stuff. It's a pretty messed up fight. Batgirl's a little in over her head. She ends up getting knocked off the building. This essentially like the Empire State Building of Gotham City. Luckily, Dick Grayson shows up to the Batcave and Alfred tells him what's going on. So right. he races over there too. And he shows up just in time on his motorcycle to press the eject seat <laughs> button and like fly himself up into the air a little ways, catch Barbara and then, like, he happens to be, like, right under where Barbara's falling at the exact time. Shoot his batarang and, like, save them both. Yeah. Um, anyway, like, they don't have time for small talk. They race back up the building to help Batman, who's kind of, you know, he's he's really messed up by the Joker. Like, Batman was flying around in a jetpack and got shot down by the Joker. Um, he's in a lot of trouble. But then they, they come in and save Batman. Uh, it leads to the scene where, like, the microwave thing is up. We see a plane in the air that might crash if it's if not for this microwave thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barbara gets, she does some daring gymnastics to get Joker to shoot at the microwave thing with his machine gun. Uh, it explodes in a huge explosion. Batman has to save Barbara in the scene too. They have to hang off the ledge together as it's exploding. Joker kind of gets exploded himself a little bit and falls over. And uh, here Robin and Batman have a big confrontation where, uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place just a little bit, uh, <laughs> uh, where Robin... First of all, it's, like, revealed to Robin that uh, Batgirl is Barbara. Right. And he's like, you've been keeping this secret? And she's like, yeah, but so have you. Right. But he's (laughs) just like, yeah, but this is so much worse because the way Batman manipulates people to do whatever he wants. Like, you don't know what you're getting into here, Barbara. Right. She's like, no, it was my choice to become Batgirl. And he's like, no, that's what you think. Yeah. It really wasn't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's mad. I, I like it. It's a little complex emotional relationship going on between these characters. It's a little strange and weird. And it all ends with Bat- uh, Robin quitting. He punches Batman in the face. Oh, yeah, that's fun, too. And, yeah. like, angrily throws his cape and mask at him. Yeah. And runs away. Yeah, and jumps away uh, off the building. Uh, keeps his utility belt. Um, and then that's sort of like, you know, that's why Robin was no more. The Dick Grayson Robin was no more. We don't exactly say, like, why he becomes Nightwing, why he continues to fight crime. I guess he's, like, imbued with that sense of, like, that whatever that superhero code is and just supposed to connect that those dots ourselves yeah that is going to carry on in his own way um but anyway we see like uh you know uh robin the young the new young robin and nightwing now like finishing up the story and uh it just so happens they find a wallet that was left behind that one of the goons had stolen and it turns out to be connor the guy who like all those years ago batman had Violently accosted in front of his family. Right. And they like go to return it to him. And it turns out that like Connor is like, oh, yeah, like that's exactly what I needed all those years ago. Batman really scared me straight. And now I have like a decent normal job as like a security officer. And, and Wayne Enterprises. Really well, yeah. Mr. Wayne is like such a great boss. He's so nice to me. He always asked me how my kid's doing. So Batman obviously felt bad. <laughs> like made some kind of apology at some point. Yeah. Was, in his own way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I like the show. They always have that undercurrent of like Bruce Wayne does try to help a lot of the people he 
you know, messes up as Batman a lot. It does happen quite a bit, and it's it's pretty good, you know. Yeah, he, he is pretty good at making amends, apparently. Yeah, in his own way. And Nightwing sees this, and in a way, you could tell that it's implied that he now forgives Batman. Because now Robin and Nightwing, they see the bat signal in the sky, and they both agree to go help him. And uh, it's a little, like, they play it like Nightwing hasn't seen Batman in years. They've been interacting, like, all yeah. the episodes. Yeah, and they've been though, friendly but... and, like, doing stuff together. Well, they've been a little, like, standoffish, I guess. Yeah. But... Yeah, but now it, he's really like in the spirit. Yeah, he's more back to like just being Batman's friend, and that's how it ends. To me, my Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what you said. That's what you're watching. That was funny. Uh, a very good episode. Uh, much better than the previous one. Very good episode. Uh, if you haven't seen it in a while, go watch it. It's good. Yeah, enjoyable. I mean, like you know, the season three continues to be very good. Um, I'm curious how it's all going to wind up again. We'll be doubling up on episodes going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't have as much X-Men 97 news yeah. to cover at the top. We'll be able to give a little more attention to the Batman episodes. Um, but I don't know. I'm excited about X-Men 97. I don't know what else to say about it. It's going to be so weird to like to be on top of that yeah. and to see what they're, they're giving us. Only 10 episodes. I mean, so a short season of X-Men. You know, some, episode, some seasons of X-Men were 13 episodes. Some were like 20 Um so this is like going to be the shortest one yet, mm-hmm. but they're going to do a season two. So uh, we'll probably be there for that as well. Yeah. Uh, Sonia, any last words before I cue the Sega Genesis music? <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody.